We are um, it, working through this series um, about being connected, being connected with God, being connected to each other, and being connected with the rest of the world. And what we have said is uh, in order to do the last two, you have to do the first. And so we started with this foundation of being connected with God. Um, and, and what does it look like to love God with everything? Uh, and, and we moved from that into uh, last week being connected to each other. And it was kind of a challenging thing because we're not always nice to one another and we don't always agree about the same things and we don't always uh, worship in the same ways. And, and so it can kind of get a little funny at times. It's not a new conversation that people are having. This has been going on since the beginning of the church. So much so that in Paul, uh, his letter to the people of Rome, he says this. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome one another. Welcome one another, just as Christ has welcomed you. Now, what's going on here? There's a little bit more to it than just that one verse, right? You're like, oh, that's just one verse. Here's the story. Previously in Romans, Paul is talking to the people of Rome, and he's saying, look, I get it. Some of you think you can eat anything, and others of you think that you are only allowed to eat vegetables. Huh? Like, we're talking about vegans and vegetarians back then? Here's what's going on even further. There was a belief that if you ate food sacrificed to idols, that you were bowing down to that idol. The food that would be sacrificed would be meat. So there was a group of people who believed that you should never eat meat because you don't know whether or not that that steak had been sacrificed to some god. Was like they're burning, they're flaring that steak up as a, as a as a fragrance to some idol, to some god, some pagan thing. And so, no, 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 I am never going to eat that. And Paul's like, that's cool, that's cool, man. If you're there, that's fine. But you know, there's others of us who see all those idols as just a bunch of baloney. It's just like there's no such thing as that god. That god doesn't exist. Those idols don't exist. You sacrifice that stake to the God. I don't care. I don't believe in that God. I know who the one true God is. So pass me a fork and a knife and let's get this on. There, there's, this, there's this understanding that, no, I, I, my faith is, is at such a place where I can see that and not be scared by it. But there are other people who weren't. And so what was going on is these people were kind of clashing and they're butting heads. You can't eat that. Yes, I can. You can't eat that. You know, tastes great, less filling type stuff going on. And so they're, bargain, they're just arguing back and forth. And what Paul's like, guys, 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 it's okay. In fact, he calls them strong Christians and weak Christians. Strong people, there's those of you who are strong in your faith and those of you who are weak in their faith. And that's kind of a bad term, really. I, I don't like that. And I don't think Paul meant it in the way in which we read it. I don't think that it's people who believe in Jesus Christ but have this thought are weak. It's just that they have a different understanding. And maybe, maybe they're not as mature in their faith. Maybe they haven't gone along in the, in the journey with Christ as long as somebody who can see that and go, no, I'm okay. But there's just different points of the journey. There's different points. And at this point, the people of Rome are arguing over this, so much so that it calls Paul to write about it for quite a while. 
chapter 13, he's just going, guys, 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 come on, come on, come on. And he rolls in to chapter 15, and he talks about loving one another. Loving each other. The strong Christians, weak Christians, you guys, come on, love one another. And then he gets to this line. Welcome one another. Just as Christ has welcomed you so that God may get the glory. Now, in order for this to make sense that some New Testament scholars say this is the most important verse in the New Testament. In order for that to make sense to you, why a scholar would say this, we have to back up a long way. See, what's going on here is this thought of hospitality. What's going on here is this practice of welcoming others into your home. Now, for a Jew, it comes easy and natural because it's a part of their existence. It's a part of their story. It's a part of who they are. All the way back into the book of Genesis, chapter 18, there is a story of Abraham. It says, The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. Fast forward just a little bit into the city of Sodom. And you have um, Lot. That evening, um, Lot was sitting there. He sees two people standing at the edge of the gate. He stands to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh, no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread. Now, you have a similar thing going on. Both of these men are entertaining and welcoming angels into their home. Although, when they invite it, they don't know. They have this sense about them that hospitality is important. In fact, if you ask some of the rabbis, what is Abraham most known for? They don't say his faith that we would say. They say his hospitality. You have this instinct inside of you. When you live in a wilderness, when you live in the desert, when you live in a place that is a very harsh environment, you need one another. When you find yourself out in the middle of some new land and you don't know where water is, you need somebody who lives around there to tell you where it is. Hospitality is this huge part of being a Jew. So much so it operates kind of like this. Say I live in this area. This is my area. This is my wilderness. And my wilderness is bound by pretty much where I keep my sheep. And I keep my sheep inside the the court here. So baseline to baseline, sideline to sideline. And I just stay in my little, little spot. All of a sudden one day, here comes this guy, AJ. And AJ, who's sitting back there, He comes and he crosses that threshold of my boundary. He crosses over the sideline. And I get up from whatever I'm doing because I see a new person who has entered into my territory. And I leave behind what I'm doing and I go to him. And I say, welcome. Come in. 
come, come sit a while in the shade of my tent. Let me bring some water to wash your feet. Jenna, get out to China. We have a guest. Get out the finest of our wines. Woman, break some bread. You know, we are, we're putting on a party because A.J., has arrived. And I don't know who AJ is. AJ is just some guy who's wandering through the desert. But he, but I see him and he enters into the place that is my area, that is under my purview and protection. And from that moment on, he is my guest. From that moment on, I take care of him. I provide for him sustenance. I provide protection for him. So much so that a little while longer, here comes this girl, Kristen. And Kristen crosses over that same threshold. Now, I know Kristen because Kristen has been in these parts before, and Kristen isn't a very nice person. She looks like she's nice, but she's not. And I know that she has some nefarious kind of things going on in her mind, and she saw AJ come in, and she doesn't really like AJ because AJ's of a different type of person. See, AJ's not a Jew. It doesn't matter to me when you come into my place. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, where you come from, what you say, what you do. You are welcome in my home and I will protect you. So when Kristen comes across and Kristen comes with this attitude of I'm going to hurt AJ, I get in front of Kristen and put AJ behind me and I say, no, no, no. While he is in my house, he is under my protection. Now, mind you, I've never met AJ before. But if it came to it, I would lay down my life so that he would be protected. This was a reality. This was a reality for the people of Israel. This was who they were. It was ingrained in their very core. So much so that when Abraham sees these guys in the hottest part of the day out in the sun, he's like, hey, come on in. So much so that when Lot sees these two strangers enter into his city of Sodom, he sees them and he says, hey, you need to come into my house and spend the night and let me prepare a feast for you. Now, if you remember how the story goes, what happens next is pretty crazy. All of these men show up because they've heard of these two new strange men that have come into the place. And they start knocking and pounding on Lot's door. Bring out these men to us so we can do things that are unmentionable and we won't want to talk about them in here. Bring them out to us. And what does Lot do? Do you remember? He opens the door and he shuts it behind him. He says, guys, 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 they're guests in my home. While they are here, they're under my care and protection. Leave. This doesn't sit well with these guys. And they start getting a little rowdy. They start getting a lot rowdy. And Lot is backing himself. I can just picture it up against the door. He says, guys, guys, I have two virgin daughters in there. Let me send them out. And you do whatever it is you want to do. But these men are protected. I'm sure you know the rest of the story. But generally, when we focus on this story, we think of a couple of things. We think of the crowd and we think of how ugly and grotesque their actions are. And then a lot of times we look at Lot and we look at Lot going, you're giving up your daughters? What's the matter with you? I would never do that. But you see, that's because we live in a different mind. We have a different mentality. See, for Lot, he was doing everything he could to protect these two because that's what you do. When you welcome someone into your the hospitality goes so deep that you are willing to do anything to care for these two. Do you think he just offered them freely? 
Don't you think that just killed him? But at the very core of who he is, he understands that when you're in my house, you're protected. Take them. Imagine what it looks like to live in a way where you welcome people with that kind of passion. That when they enter into your presence, they know that they are loved and cared for and protected. Imagine what that feels like. What that looks like. We have these silly arguments amongst one another going on all the time about different things. What would it be like if we we heard these words from Paul? Welcome each other. Just as Christ has welcomed you. What does that look like? We know that this gift of hospitality means that you make space for someone in your life, that you you care for, you love, and you protect them, that you say no matter what happens, no harm will come to you while I am here. No matter what happens, I will give my life so that you might have yours. You see what Jesus did? The cross was an act of hospitality. You're under my care. Where my sheep are is eternity. There are no boundaries, so you're in my zone. And while you are here, I will die for you. What would it be like for us to live in such a way that when we encounter people, we know, they know, that we care for them, that we love for them, that we protect them. And it's because, as Paul reminds us, we welcome one another. As we were welcomed. We come to this table today because we sit in the house of Jesus. We have come into his presence. And he has said, you are under my roof. You are under my protection. You will receive my grace. You will receive my care. You will receive my love. Come, let me prepare a feast for you. So that God may get glory. If you are assisting with communion, if you would come forward at this time. The rest of you, if you would join me in prayer. Gracious and Heavenly Father. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for this, your territory, in which you have stated so beautifully that while we are here, we are under your care. It was the night that your son Jesus sat around the table that he was betrayed and he he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body which is given for you. After supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he blessed God and he said, take this and drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come in remembrance of these mighty acts, acknowledging that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the body and blood of Christ for us. And as we consume it, it becomes a part of who we are. And we become holy and living sacrifices. 
going into a world and offering hospitality, saying that while you are near us, you will receive care and love and protection because you are welcomed as Christ welcomed me. It's in his name we pray. Amen.